You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. You're listening to Mackie and Judd from the TCL Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? I just want to win football games. Um, you know, and, and I don't really care how we have to do it. And I think many times you have to adapt week to week. You know, I remember uh, uh, one time the Patriots came in here to play the Vikings back in the Metrodome, and, and the Vikings defense was very stout, couldn't run the ball on them, and the Patriots said, we're not going to try. And Tom, you know, threw it 50 times, and they came out with a win. Uh, but that hadn't been their identity that season. I think that was the year that, that they had a very good run game, and Corey Dillon had run for a lot of yards. So... Uh, your identity can adapt based on your opponent, based on the situation you're put in. I don't think you just in the NFL say, this is what we do, we're going to line up and be better than our opponent. The nature of the salary cap and the nature of, of uh, teams these days is, is there's a lot of parity. And so you have to week to week be able to adjust and, and find what works that week against that opponent. Number one, they have a good working relationship. Um, they've, they sit in meetings all the time and talk a lot. You know, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of back and forth with those guys, um, trying to figure out what's the best way to say this. I, I, I've, I feel like uh, Kirk will be open to, you know, suggesting things a little bit more. You know, the play calling thing, I'm going to, again, rely on, we have a great staff and we have good players and the steal line from uh, Pat Shermer, it's about the players and not the plays. So it's something that we're going to work on uh, Sunday and, and let it go. Welcome to the show, Chip Scoggins. Wow. We got <laughs> there's, the bl- a, there's a lot to digest there. We got the blame game, and it might be correct. All right. So that was uh, Kirk Cousins yesterday, Mike Zimmer yesterday, and Kevin Stefanski, the, the new offensive coordinator for the Vikings, who we, of course, know going back to the days when yeah. he used to monitor the weather in Mankato for Brad Childress. <laughs> I don't do that no more. I'm, I'm offensive coordinator. I call plays now. In case you haven't heard, hey, go get your Doppler radar. You... Lock the door. Anyway, anyway. See if, uh, see if your listeners will know that one. Oh, they've got to know that one. Come one on. of the great scenes of all time and oh. one of the great movies of, of all time. But anyway, so we have uh, various people explaining roles and how they think things will change with uh, John Filippo fired. And um, I always go back to this story, Chip Scoggins, when, when it comes to offensive-minded coaches, whether that be a coordinator or a head coach. And sort of how much they're listened to, like how much players come in and say, I'd like I'd like this or we should do that. Let's go back to 2006 because during the course of the 2005 season, when Dante Culpepper got hurt, Brad Childers backup quarter, or Brad Johnson backup, mm-hmm. backup QB takes over. And Brad, of course, was a veteran by that point and new offenses inside out. And he would come in on Tuesday and help Ticey and the boys game plan for the Sunday game. And I think it helped a lot. Mm-hmm. In fact, that team turned around quite a bit, actually went from being bad to decent. And so in 2006, when Childers got the job, Brad Johnson, my understanding of the story, is showed up on a Tuesday 
and said, okay, I'm here to help out. You know, it, it's the off day for players, but I'm going to sit down and we can yeah. watch film and blah, blah, blah. And he was told, Brad, we really appreciate your uh, commitment, but you can go home. We've got this. The DiFilippo firing interests me, and the quotes that we just play really intrigue yeah. me because they sound very much like Kirk Cousins tried to say, hey, I think we should do this. And, and Flip said, hey, I'm good. I do it my way. Yeah, the way, the way uh, and I was there yesterday, uh, Monday, I guess, or Tuesday, um, that Zimmer brought that up when he, it reminded me of a month ago when he, when this first started, he first started going public with his frustration. And he was asked, the, the offense was starting to sputter, and he was asked, do you think that's uh, partly because new coordinator, new quarterback, guys are still trying to get on the same page, so to speak? And Zimmer said, no, uh, let me see how, how I can phrase this. There's too much volume. And we were like, whoa, okay, that's, you know, that's a shot at the coordinator. No question. And yeah. so yesterday when he said, let me see how I can phrase this. Yep. In fact, I'll play this again because yeah. this is the quote that you're talking about. Number one, they have a good working relationship. Um, they've, they sit in meetings all the time and talk a lot, you know, and so there's a lot of, there's a lot of back and forth with those guys. Um, I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to say this. I, I, I feel like uh, Kirk will be open to, you know, suggesting things a little bit more. Yeah, and so that leads you to the, the belief that Maybe DiFilippo wasn't interested in Cousins' opinions on how the offense should be run. Now, would he wanted something drastically different? Throw more, run more? I, you know, it's there you wasn't a follow up, and you don't know. And I'm not sure that we're going to get an honest answer from Zimmer or Cousins about the dynamics that were behind closed doors. But clearly, from that uh, soundbite there, it wasn't just Zimmer and 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 DiFilippo maybe not being or definitely not being on the same page, but maybe the quarterback and coordinator weren't on the same page in terms of what they were trying to do. Which leads me to this question: How did DiFilippo get that job? Because when That's, you sign, like like this goes to me, this goes back to you've got to at least look back and vet that process because you do not sign a quarterback to this contract to then not pay very close attention yeah. to what he wants to do, right? And there. They clearly had different fundamental differences in terms of how an offense should function. And that was my premise I wrote just about the relationship last week that where it just seemed obvious this was not going to work long term. It just not, a, a head coach publicly ripping either directly or indirectly the offense or the coordinator every single week is not sustainable. It's not like you're going to, at the end of the season, say, okay, we're coming back next year. Right. It's, it doesn't work that It'll way. It'll all be better. So it was clear that there's just fundamental differences. And you, you know, and the question I raised was, what exactly did he think he was getting? I mean, wh- where was the whole vetting part? What did you talk about in your interviews? Right. Um, and so, yeah, they, they missed on the front end. I was talking to Tim Yonner from Viking Update, and his theory was, and it makes sense, is... You wonder how much of it was the way Philadelphia just steamrolled them in that playoff game and I think they got Tim, enamored with it. I think Tim's exactly right. Yep. I think Mike Zimmer hired a guy who he thought had the secrets that were unlocked about his defense. Yep. The DeFilippo hiring to me had way more to do with, tell me what you did, One game, as opposed yep. to, what are you going to do with my $84 million quarterback? Because again, this whole conversation comes back to, and this is this is extremely important. So I think it's worth continuing to talk about. This conversation goes to this. Mike Zimmer has to realize he coaches an an entire football team. Mm -hmm. And that if things aren't going well, that's all on him. 
And it, people can get mad about that, but this is all on him. That's what the title gives him control of, the entire operation coaching. Yeah, and it's it's not enough to just complain publicly and through the media about how he didn't run the ball more. Well, then you need to sit, sit down with the coordinator and figure out how you guys want to do it. So you can't be on these separate tracks and then complain about it after a game. You're the head coach. You have final authority. And if, and if you don't like it, fix it. And Monday was a debacle. It was, it was awful. Monday, they, they've had some tough games on defense early. Yeah. They've had some games offensively where they have not looked good. This was a debacle. Yeah, and I, I thought there was no chance that Filippo was coming back after this year, whether he got another job elsewhere or Zimmer would have fired him. I just, it just, this dynamic was not working. It was obvious. Uh, but then, but that game, and I told you yeah. before the show, that game reminded me of the Gophers at Illinois, where it's so bad, it just feels like the point of no return. Yes. That it necessitated a, a immediate change. And in this case, too, the pressure is that high. Yeah. You can't, this this is not, it. it's fun to say it and it's fun to talk about it. But saying Super Bowl or bust is not real. Playoff or, playoffs or bust is real. Like this team, yeah. if this team misses the playoffs, I don't think people will be fired, but I can't guarantee that. Well, and here's the thing. Uh, ben Gessling from my paper reported that both Zimmer and Spielman's contracts are up after next season. So after 2019 season. So let's say they don't make the playoffs. Are you going to get an extension? Are you going to let him coach and GM on, on a one-year deal? Yeah, that's a great point. So now you have a decision to make. Now, if they get in the playoffs, I think it's probably pretty obvious you're going to extend them, right? Yes. But, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, I, I think Z- Zimmer was right. They said, I can't leave this up to chance that this is going to get better the next few weeks because that game, it felt like there was so much confusion on what they were even trying to do. Third and two, we're rolling out, shotgun, fourth and one. You just, I'm sure he looked at it as, like, what, what are we even doing here? What yeah. are we trying to accomplish? And so I think he just said, I'm taking, I'm taking ownership of this. I'm going to fire him, and we're going to do our darndest to win the final three games and get in the playoffs. When Thielen gets mad, you've lost it. Yeah. When Thielen, and I, I shouldn't say that, he gets mad. When Thielen actually can be picked up on a <laughs> swearing, mic, yeah. swearing, you've lost yeah, it. Something's it, gone very wrong. He gets mad. But for him to say that play's been there all bleeping night is a very, very telltale sign of how bad things have gone. And Adam was asked about it in the locker room yesterday, and, and you know he admitted that that was him and that it was just more frustration that he's trying to make plays. And he was probably talking to himself, and he obviously didn't know he was being overheard. I, but I'm he, not, it, not buying that. He was talking to... The offense and to the quarterback and to yes. the coordinator. Hey, get me the ball. I can make these plays. Well, well Cousins basically saying post game that that Diggs and Thielen had been taken out is not realistic. Yeah, that didn't happen. Now they were doubled certainly at times, and nobody wants Kirk to do something completely stupid. But for him, and and it, it looked like to your question yeah. on Wednesday, he walked back a bit. But for him to imply, well, I can't throw to them. No, no, yeah. no, that's not true. And by the way, Diggs. While covered very thoroughly yeah. and being interfered with, made an otherworldly catch. So yeah. to not throw them the ball is not something that you can do. That that was the first time where I really felt like, and he's he's looked skittish at times throughout the year, uh, talking about cousins in the pocket. But that for, was for me the first time where it looked like the entire game he never felt comfortable, and even when there wasn't pressure, it's almost like he's seeing ghosts. He was yeah. just trying to get rid of the ball. And you saw some of those hurried throws when it didn't have to be. Yeah, I think it's a combination of of his line scares him, and yes. it probably should. But that game on Monday night seemed to be a coordinator and quarterback both afraid to screw up. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, I don't think it helps that Zim has everybody completely uptight. 
Well, you. I'm want- not saying, and I get he's upset, and I get that he, I get that when when he gets upset, it's hard to relax. But everybody seems to be uptight on, right on now. Pins and needles, yeah. Yes. And you wonder how much the the turnovers and just the effect of from Zimmer, you know, railing on him has kind of got him. I don't know if gun shy is the right word, cousins, but he did look like a guy who's afraid to make a mistake and was afraid to get hit, and he just didn't look. He looked nervous. Yeah, I mean, there's no other way about He's everything. Nervous, though. yeah. And the line is bad. I think it that's starts, a big part of it. it. Starts I think that's there. probably seventy percent of it. It starts not more. Yeah. In fact, we saw the uh, mock draft 1.0 from McShay yesterday. It had the Vikings taking a defensive tackle. Better not be. Lord help yeah. Rick Spielman if he's still around to make that pick and he takes a defensive it tackle. It better not be. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious what has to happen. All right, let's take a break. TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd, as usual, Phil will join the show at 4. Until then, at Zolgad, at Scoggins, Manny Hill, Jonathan Harrison. Dave, hang on. We'll take your phone call next. And if you want to join the conversation, 651-646-8255. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. One uh, one crash to tell you about right now. It's on 169 Northbound uh, near New Hope, and it's uh, between 49th Avenue North and Bass Lake Road. causing about a three-minute delay, so... Not a huge delay, but it is there, and uh, if you're in that area, just be a little more careful, people. Thank you, Manny Hill. Uh, 1500 ESPN Twitter poll posted by uh, our guy Jonathan Harrison. With John Filippo out, Chip Scoggins, and Stefanski in his OC, are you once again confident in the Vikings' offense per, uh, performing well? Your choices, there are four of them. Yes, no. No, Cousins is still the quarterback. Or, as we always like to do in all our Vikings Twitter polls, just Brett Favre. <laughs> so I am going to go to Brett Favre and vote right now. Uh, right now, 33% say yes, 24% say no, 22% say no, Cousins still the quarterback, 21% say Brett Favre. I want Brett Favre to be the Packers coach. Oh, did I? Okay, hold on a second here. I gotta, I gotta scroll to the beginning of his answer to that question from TMZ yesterday. Yeah, it's right here. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I could. No, will I do it? I, who knows? Uh, I, I've learned to never say never. Is that we've captured that? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I could. No, will I do it? I, who knows? Uh, I've learned to never say never. Is that not the quintessential, Brett? So basically, yes, no, and maybe? Yeah. I could. I might. Could you I imagine, never say never. Could you imagine him as a head coach, though? Do you want the poll results from yesterday's Brett Favre yeah. as your next Vikings yes, coach? Yes, Jonathan. So we asked what yesterday, do you want Brett Favre as the next Vikings coach? 33% said yes, 50% said nope, and 17% just said Brett Favre. <laughs> It's just that answer was so great. Yes. Uh six five one six four six eight two five five Scoggins in for hour one of Mackie and Judd. Dave in Brooklyn Park, you've been holding and now you are on the show. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. You've been asking, how did John DeFolippo get that job? Yes. Well, let me tell you an instance that happened a while back that had me saying, How in the world did Brad Childers get that job as head coach? Because Brad Childers was nothing, and I mean nothing but a yes man to Andy Reid. Andy Reid called the plays, and they they said Brad Childers hardly had any input 
uh, during the week either to uh, the game plan. Yep. So it, it made me wonder uh, from the beginning, how in the world did he ever get that job? Thank you, Dave. Um, uh, um, or, uh, um, and, um. <laughs> Dave's points are all valid. <laughs> That's right. They are very valid. In fact, all you had to know about the Philadelphia Eagles football operation was Chili was hired from Wisconsin in 99. So he had been the Badgers OC, I think. Mm-hmm. Andy made him his QB's coach in 99 and then promoted him shortly thereafter to OC and never allowed him to call plays. And then when he left, Marty Mornwig called plays. <laughs> Andy let Marty Mor- That's all you need to know. Yeah. Marty Mornwig had won, what, about seven games in three years <laughs> with the Detroit right. Lions? <laughs> what, what was his famous thing? He deferred in overtime? Yeah, yeah he took the wind in overtime <laughs> yeah. at Soldier Field. He was allowed to call plays. <laughs> Bob, how are you? Hey, how you doing, Judd? Doing good. How are you? Well, that interview with Cousins about the new identity, I think it it leads up to this week and will they be able to create that new identity. And I remember that New England game when when Brady came out. It was at the Met. He came out, I think, in the first. It was at the Metrodome, wasn't it? Halloween Mm -hmm. 2006. Yeah, and it was a blowout. The it Patriots was. blew us out. Correct. And they blew us out because he came, they came out on the first two series. I think he threw almost every down. He they did. got up 14 nothing, and we never recovered. When was the last time that the Minnesota Vikings ever did that? Thank you, Bob. Can you remember? Um... The last time that they were that small, well, I mean, Shermer, yeah. Shermer last year was very smart. The offense was very efficient. So, no, but, I don't mean that. I mean, when was the last time we actually came out and threw the ball every down until we and and gave and tried to put the opponent away? But it wasn't. But Bob, 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 it, Bob, it wasn't that. What it was was that that was the Williams wall. Yeah. And so, and if you recall, the Vikings were like four and two, and we had started talking about them as a viable playoff team. And what Belichick and Brady did was said, bleep the run game. And But they weren't trying. It wasn't an attempt to put the Vikings away by being a high-flying offense. It was a, this is our plan because they can't defend the pass. And, and they were right. And I want to say they went to Miami and played Nick Saban the next week. And the uh, Dolphins did the exact same thing. And it was never because those offenses were trying to put the Vikings away by scoring a ton early. It was, they can't defend the pass, so we'll just pass it. Okay, good point. However, we're talking about a new identity. And what would it mean if they actually came out against the Dolphins, got the ball through three or four times, one, two, three, four touchdown, up seven, nothing? I mean, what would that mean? I mean how do you think Cousins would feel about that and, and feeling? Yeah, and that, you know, we were talking about that off the air before the show. And the thing that, that's interesting about this season is when that offense was humming, is when early in the year when they really couldn't run the ball and they were throwing the ball a lot. And everybody's saying, wow, you got to have balance. You got to be able to run the ball. You can't, you know, you can't just be a throwing team. And that's when they were putting up points. And then when there's this emphasis when, when, when Zimmer really started hammering home, we're not balanced enough. We got to run the ball more. It almost compounded the problems. And, th- and that's where I think you got into a situation where nobody really knew what they wanted to do. You had so many different opinions about how this thing should look that it, they all got out of whack. So I, I don't, I don't know that Zimmer's going to ever say, 
Cut or loose, just you know, come out and throw seven straight times. Right. But you do. I know he's not Eric Coriel, but I'm not saying that. I mean, just come out and make a statement. Show that you you know you can have a new identity at times if that's what you really need and if it's there for you and, and take it if you can if you can take advantage of that. Thanks, Bob. I think what it is is they need to. In some ways, I mean, it's hard to do this because you don't have Tom Brady, but follow the Patriots model where we don't forget about us having a system. How do we attack a specific opponent on a week-to-week basis? Yeah, like, man, yeah, and I it's thought called, that, it's called a game plan offense. Yes, and, yeah, and exactly. The Patriots have had it forever, and I thought we would see that Monday night because but Shermer did Seattle that. was going to be tough to run on. You thought yeah. they'd have to throw the ball, and it, it that was kind of the ironic thing is like there was so much talk about run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and it's like well. Seattle was vulnerable through the air, and that's where you thought, okay, maybe this is that's how they're going to get on track. But they couldn't do anything. The Patriots, though, gave you the run the week before. Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook ate up huge chunks, and you didn't use that's him. That's where. But I've seen this before. This is guys. This is offensive guys who think that their system simply works. My system, my system, and they my don't system. they don't understand, yep. and they don't understand when it doesn't work. It's not working because I mean Brad Childress to his dying day will always say. It was a kick-ass offense, and it mm-hmm. worked. And you could say, no, Brad, you had the wrong pieces. Now, if you got Brett Favre, guess what? Everyone's brilliant. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's Brett Favre. It's Brett yeah. Favre. Exactly. So for... so for, uh, But the problem is, too, I don't let Zimmer, I don't absolve him because Mike basically wants to say, this is your baby. Like, at some point in time, privately, you got to, and perhaps he did, but you got to go to him and say, Flip, what are you doing here? I, mm-hmm. I hired you, and I might have made a mistake, but let's work here. It doesn't help you. As much as I appreciate Mike not being able to hold his tongue at the podium, mm-hmm. that's not going to help him. <clears throat> but how much, Judd, do you think that Filippo said, I understand what you're saying, Zim, but with this offense, you can't run the ball. It's not going to be a consistent like you think. Not with this offensive line. But how about this? With this offensive line, you cannot run the ball consistently. And, and I think you might be right, but but the other thing is this also translates to okay, then the screen game. Yeah. Are there can you get creative? Can you get creative? Because in 2018, the run game as we talk about it is essentially the screen game. Right? The yeah. short passing game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they and they, they were horrible for stretches. And then in, uh whatever game was two games ago, the the Packers game, they started to implement it more. But I, I think DeFilippo got to the point where he's like this offense line is not going to be able to get the kind of push that we need to be able to to be a running team. The, the time, yeah. the type of off that Zim wants, and so I'm not even going to try it. And the other little dirty secret is in Philadelphia, the tight end is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Here, he's a nice player. Yeah, Kyle's a nice player, but he's not Zach Ertz. No, not even close. And he and may so, not even be what Trey Burton was for the Eagles last year too, as the second tight end. And so you see Rudolph physically, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's our guy, and he's a nice player. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's not Ertz. Uh, Paul, how are you? Good, and yourself? I'm outstanding. Good to hear from you. <laughs> uh, Chip, nice to hear you, and I, I love it when Chip and Murph uh, sit in with you. It, it's <laughs> Thank uh, you. Very good radio, yes. Uh, one thing we're all missing, and uh, and I know you've uh, harped on this, Judd, in uh, the last caller, it's all great to dream about why don't we just come out and do what the Patriots do. Well, we don't have Tom Brady. That's why we can't come out and do what the Patriots do. Kirk Cousins has made the poorest decisions, and that's the to me that's the elephant in the room with this whole thing. I know Filippo had his issues, and, and let's face it, he's the scapegoat here. But uh, uh, Filippo didn't draw up a, a pass play to throw behind him to uh, – yeah. 
Latavius Murray. And, 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 you know, and he didn't tell Cousins, hey, don't throw to a wide-open feeling. Throw it to the double-covered Rudolph. And, and I still remember the, the Monday night game in Chicago. Cousins was throwing to people that had four bears around him, and I'm sitting there watching this going, what, what's with the decision-making here? Yeah. So I'm not even talking inaccuracy or uh, there's got to be some kind of panic going on with him and this maybe offensive line related, but you can put in any new game plan with Stefanski. If Cousins doesn't make good decisions, it's not going to matter. Yeah, and that's, that's a great point. Yeah. I, was, I, Thanks, was, I was stunned by his lack of pocket awareness the other night and just how nervous and just it, it was like a hot potato. The one he threw back to Latavius oh, is like, was, what exactly were you trying to accomplish there? I mean, it was just awful. And just the kind of the lack of awareness around him, what was happening. He's not comfortable. Is alarming. He's no, not, he's, he's not, not even close to being comfortable. He's not close to being comfortable. And I think the, the indictment on Spielman here is I think he needs a really good line to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I don't think an average. I don't think uh, okay. I think an okay line, and I am not saying that Case Keenum would be successful. But I think Keenum's ability to move allows well, him to to have an okay line. And and if he's playing well, which he's not playing nearly as well now as he did last year, but I think he can he can move around and function. Kirk looks like he can't function. Yeah. What, what was. Keenum at his best last year when he was off schedule, as as, yeah. as Cousins mentioned the other night, and just making kind of freelance and making things happen. He was he was you know incredible, and that's Cousins does not have that. But he talked about after the game the other night, it's like those off schedule plays where he's got to be able to make something happen when the plays breaking down, and instead he's panicking. He had the I think it's the second series where he throws a screen pass to Cook that was like a Donovan McNabb one hopper, and. I don't even think there's pressure around him, but he just panicked. He wanted to get the ball of his hands. And so I think it's just an accumulation of this offensive line, and he just doesn't have the trust factor there. The one thing I never got is, or I don't get, is this. If you roll him out and have him throw, he's actually okay. Mm-hmm. So why didn't he do it more? Well, the one I know they tried on the third and short, whatever. But, yeah, yeah. you're right, more often than... That's when you got to look at flip, right? Yeah. Well, and and the other problem, too, though, is every time we talk about Cousins being successful, it's a scheduled play. Like, it's not a, mm-hmm. you're rolling out because you're, you're under pressure, and so, oh, my God, the play just broke down, mm-hmm. but you're going to be fine. He panics then. He tends to hyperventilate if things don't go as planned. Mm-hmm. In, a lot of, in a lot of ways, Cousins is similar to to what Sam Bradford was 2 years ago in that they need that they need that pocket to be perfect around them in order in order for them to be really successful the difference is that Sam Bradford wasn't going to turn the ball over the way this guy cuz he would just throw a check down he, he would just throw a check, check down, down yeah. or he throw it away and he was Sam Bradford was a lot more careful with the football than Kirk Cousins is yeah yeah when well, that's but and, it's the same thing in terms of needing everything around safe. them to be perfect yeah yeah he played it safe Cousins is, you know, at least early on, he was going to take more chances down the field and hold on to the ball too long. But he just looks like a mess right now. He looks lost. Now this is great. You know, uh, yeah, I could. No, <laughs> will I do it? I, who knows? Uh, I, I've learned to never say never. Brett, we got three games left. You're 49 years old. I know you're old. He's bored, but, but right? Cousins is not playing well, and you've still got the great arm. <laughs> Will you come back and play the final three games and playoff games? You know, uh, yeah, I could. No. Will I do it? <laughs> I, who knows? Uh, I, I've learned to never say never. Send the plane. Get the plane ready. Fire it up, Judd.
<laughs> Who do you send down now? Oh, man. Who are the three guys you send? I think he, Thielen has to be on there, right? You send Thielen and Diggs and say, hey, you want to throw to us? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie joins the show at uh, 4 o'clock. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Judd Zolgad, Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Check out his uh, sports columns. Manny Hill, Jonathan Harrison. Why is Brett Favre on my TV? <laughs> oh, would you, see- Favre? <laughs> would you want to see Brett Favre? Would you want to see Brett Favre as Aaron Rodgers, head coach? Could you imagine? You know, uh, yeah, I could. No, will I do it? I, who knows? Uh, I, I've learned... To never say never. I can't help myself. I'm going mean, to just It's never going to happen, obviously. But could you imagine him as Aaron Rodgers' head coach, how great that would be? The sideline conversation. Just a head coach, period. But yes, you're right. Oh, my goodness. It'd Not, be great. It'd be ironic. It'd be everything. Hey, Aaron, you should take some more chances. <laughs> you know, I know you have only thrown one pick, and that's a tan too few for the season. <laughs> All right, Jonathan Harrison. Yes, sir. Why don't you give us, tell us what you found today. And you, you did some extensive research on this. and well, um, I didn't do the research. Well, you... It was done for me. You did it, but you were... Yeah. Anyway, tell <laughs> us what you found. This is going to be... I just want to hear this. So I flipped on... I flipped over to the ESPN.com, and the first thing that greeted me was a picture of a moldy sandwich, which immediately grossed me out. But then I'm like, why the heck are... Why the heck is ESPN delving into moldy food at a sports arena? So they did this exhaustive research of all 111 professional... Uh, facilities used in North America by the four major leagues in this in this uh, in North America. Mm-hmm. So the it starts off with ESPN's outside the lines reviewed and collected more than sixteen thousand food and safety inspection reports from health departments that monitor the one hundred eleven professional football, baseball, basketball, and hockey facilities across North America. The review of routine inspection reports from two thousand sixteen and seventeen found that at about twenty eight percent of the venues, half or more of the food service outlets incurred a high-level violation. One, a high-level violation is one that poses a potential threat for foodborne illnesses. As a guy who goes to lots of games, this is not sounding good. Continue! Further in the story, the violations run the gamut of chicken, shrimp, and sushi festering at dangerous temperatures that can breed bacteria, employees wiping their faces with their hands and then handling (laughs) handling food for customers, cooks sweating over your food. Oh, God. Stop! (laughs) Stop! Beef blood dripping on a shelf. Okay, okay, we we do get it by now. (laughs) Enough. We get it. We get the idea. Should I keep going? No. There's more examples. No, I don't need more examples. <laughs> Tell us what you found locally or what right. Mike Rand wrote about locally. So locally, the four... Beef blood. <laughs> oh. See, I was going to say... And by the way, if you eat sushi at a, at a game, you. that's yeah. a you problem. Yeah. See, that's, that's hiring Filippo and then being upset. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was going to say, to play off the liner that we just played coming back from break, please... Continue. <laughs> no. So the four local <laughs> Thank you. arenas don't fare well. Can you guys can you guys venture a guess at which one's the worst? I know, so I won't. Yeah. You told uh, me. Huh. Which one's the worst? I already know too, so it's all on you, Chip. <laughs> no pressure, Scoggins. I mean I don't really know what the criteria would be. It's not necessarily which is older, which is newer, which is and, and keep in mind, which one's the worst all, at handling all four your four major ones are in 
pretty, in, in theory, pretty pretty good shape. Even lot, Target Center, the oldest one. A lot of cooks. Turns out sweating over your hot dogs, though. Mm-hmm. What's the worst one? U.S. Bank Stadium. All right. 195 really? total outlets inspected inside the stadium. 116 ended up with high-level violations. That amounts to 59.49% of them. So wait, uh, each concession stand, they... they I don't they know. inspected Jonathan? the food inspectors. They got ESPN outside lines. Got the report from the food inspectors. So sixty percent of them have issues. Yeah. Okay. There's... It ranks ninetieth out of the one hundred eleven North American wow. venues. And now the issues could be, I mean, range from a wide variety. We've of got things, three though, right? specific issues that they pointed okay. out. Okay. So hand washing issues. Inspection notes from October first, two thousand seventeen, state that one area did not have water the entire day, indicating that employees were not washing their hands. Oh, no. The notes indicated that employees had asked their supervisors multiple times for water, but they never fixed the issue. Food too warm. The temperature in walking in a walking cooler was fifty degrees when it should have been forty one or below on September eleventh, two thousand seventeen. Several items, including chicken and beef, were tossed out because they were too warm. I'm gonna be sick. And lastly. For uh, U.S. Bank Stadium, bare hands used. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Bare no. hands, where? Inspectors saw a worker add batter to rice with his bare hands in the commissary kitchen on the same day. Another employee was not oh, wearing wait, 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 a hairnet. Wait, 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 stop, 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 stop. Yeah. Did you just say bare hands taking batter and putting it with rice? Yes. I, I wouldn't even do that at home. So did they? With so my dog's You didn't even hear the best part. Another employee was not wearing a hairnet. That doesn't offend me as much as dude <laughs> yeah, with bare hands, hands on the yeah. rice. So ESPN yeah, said, ESPN said food, uh, inspectors, Ugh. each one just kind of spy on? No, 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 no. This was, they got the reports from food inspectors. Oh, oh, oh okay. Who are inspecting these arenas can across I, the country. Wow. Can I voice my concern here? Two and I think half, ESPN did it quite sufficiently yeah, for all of us. Two and a half weeks. <laughs> no, no, my own personal concern. Oh, yeah, yeah. Two and a half weeks ago, when I was covering the Gopher um, Oki State basketball game, NCAA game for the the lead up to the tournament, courtside at US Bank Stadium, I went up and bought two hot dogs, two fries for a colleague of ours, Patrick Royce, mm-hmm. and it cost me with a pop and water a cool forty two dollars. And now I find out that people might have. Done, I, People might have had their bare hands on my hot dog. $42. I was upset by How the much price. Was the medical bill? I did. You know what? What's not fair? At least if I got sick, I would have lost some weight. <laughs> I could have used the weight loss oh. program. Here's my question. Oh. Was, that, was that before or after you were caught yawning on, t- on uh, television? I love that. Oh, that was uh, be- way before. In fact, so it was I before think, the game? I think the food made me tired. I'm, I'm, <laughs> was you know it the what? food or the venture? <laughs> I was sick. You sick. I, in retrospect, I had, I had a very mild <laughs> case of food poisoning, but yet I gutted it out literally to cover the game and write what I consider to be an award-winning column. I guess the, I guess the more I think about this, I'm not all that shocked. We still got three we, other venues to get to here. No, I'm talking about just in oh, general. Yeah. That not not the U.S. Bank, but just in general. And by that, the way, the press box food probably no better. Yeah, and you have yeah, thanks. You have uh, <laughs> I mean, you have large volumes of people. And they're just trying to service and get them out. You know, yep. just shuffle them through. This does not really surprise me, but it does make my stomach turn. So Target Field came in third. <laughs> 113 total outlets inspected in the stadium. 57 with high level violations, meaning about 50.44 percent of them came up with high level violations. That ranked 79th out of 111 venues. There are three specific incidents in the report. Huh? 
We're starting off really gross. Rodents and insects. Oh, no. Where? <laughs> on what? Inspectors cited the main commissary on June 21st, 2017 for failing to ensure that insects, rodents, and other pests were controlled. It was among 10 violations noted during the inspection. See, the insects ones is tricky, too, because it's an outdoor park. Yeah. Food temperature issues. Inspectors cited the S620 Karoo Buffet for hot foods not being hot enough and cold foods not being cold enough as well as failing to ensure that food was not served after being held for four hours on June 21st, 2017. Did you say the Karoo Buffet? Yes. Those people pay a lot. Like, yeah. I thought I thought it would be us mere mortals downstairs who were getting poisoned. <laughs> yeah. And lastly, for Target Field, hand-washing issues. Inspectors cited a concession stand for employees failing to properly wash their hands See, on June 16th, 23rd. That, that is, that is cardinal sin number one. Are they putting mm-hmm. their gloves back on at least, though? Like, nobody should no ever idea. touch any food without gloves yeah. on. That that is, that is cardinal sin number one for me. Wash your damn hands. Seriously. Like, I, I go to, I'll be at a anywhere and I'll use a public bathroom and somebody else in there will use the bathroom and not wash their hands yeah, and just walk yeah, right out. Yeah. It is the most disgusting thing on the planet. Now wash here, your damn Now hands. here's my question about Target Field. Are the beer taps clean? Because <laughs> as long as the beer taps are clean, I'm fine. <laughs> I think that goes for all of them though, right? Not just Target Field. That their beer taps must be clean. Yes, I hope so. I anyway, hope so. okay, that's Target Specifically Field. for Judd Zolgad. Yes. It must be clean for Judd Zolgad. Target Center came Alcohol in second. Alcohol kills all ills, gentlemen. <laughs> Truth. Target Center came in second among the four. 56 total inspected, 27 with high-level violations, equaling 48.21%, having high-level violations. That ranked 72nd out of 111 venues. Improper food temperature. In- inspectors cited the Chairman's Club and Suites for hot and cold foods not being held at proper temperatures on February 6, 2017. Sick employees. This is always fun. What? Inspectors instructed the manager of one location to, quote-unquote, record all reports of diarrhea or vomiting made by food employees. Okay, that's going too far. We didn't hear that. Authority. Oh, my God. I didn't yep. need that part of the report. And lastly, rodents and insects. Inspectors cited the main kitchen for failing to control insects, rodents, and pests during a January 12, 2016 inspection. And lastly, XL Energy Center, where I know a couple of us will be tonight. <laughs> 79 in 79 locations inspected, 34 with high-level violations. What a terrible son. 43.04%. Cutting teeth, huh? yeah, that, that's for damn sure. <laughs> Cutting weight? Keep going. Uh, it ranks 65th out of 111 venues, so we don't have really good venues in this city, or in, this, in these cities. Starting off the XL Energy Center, mouse droppings. Oh, no. Inspectors found mouse droppings under a sink in a main pantry on November 16th, 2017. Employee using hands. Inspector saw an employee tasting cooked zucchini by taking some out of the pan, putting it in his mouth, then handing, handling other food items without washing hands in the, Le- in the Levi kitchen on November 17th, 2016. He's and hungry. La- <laughs> and lastly... No, 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 go, go ahead. Go Lastly, ahead. food too cold, which is weird in a hockey arena. <laughs> Roast beef measured 110 degrees when it should have been held at 140 degrees during an inspection the same day. The same day at another establishment, inspectors found duck cooked to 130 degrees when it should have been at 165 degrees. If you're if eating, you eating duck, uh, again, if you're eating duck at a <laughs> hockey game and you get sick, I don't blame anyone but you. <laughs> Just tell me that the mini donuts are okay because I, I love the mini tell donuts. You, but at the I would X. hope so. Because those are the best. That's I love the mini donuts at the X. So. so the best stadium in the country belongs to the NBA, Oracle Arena, which also might be the oldest arena on the list. Yeah, open in the mid-60s. 
at 1.12% concession stands with high-level violations. The worst in the country also belongs to the NBA. Spectrum Center in Charlotte, 92% high-level violations. Which, which leads, Jonathan <laughs> so Harrison, before you go, which, right? which leads to this very important question. If the, if the food prices didn't tell you to eat before you go, now this will also tell you that. To Hall of Fame quarterback Brett Favre, would you eat at these places? You know, uh, yeah, I could. No. Will I do it? Who knows? I've learned to never say Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here, and uh, no major crashes to tell you about right now. Uh, we do have some debris on the roadway, 94 westbound near Robbinsdale. It's between uh, Lowry and Dowling Avenue North, so I'll be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, uh, things moving around smoothly around the metro. Next traffic update, there will be something around the Lowry Hill Tunnel. Oh, of course. No question about <laughs> it. Never fails. I've got some questions off of what Jonathan had for us last segment, but before we get to that, we forgot this. Basketball yeah, powerhouse. We're basketball school. Tennessee now, basketball, basketball powerhouse. school. Bleep that football mm-hmm. stuff. You got that basketball program. Rick Barnes, man, doing man, a nice job. I hope they Humming. Make it, I hope they make Beat it Beat Gonzaga, right? Yeah. Number Beat one team. Humming along. Yeah, it's you know it's funny when uh, when they hired Rick Barnes, I thought all right, this would be good for a year or two, just kind of stabilize the situation because they had mm-hmm. lost so many coaches. But man, he's a good coach. Well, he, they hired that what it was what was his name Donnie Tindale Donnie Tisdale who didn't even coach. God, he, he got in violation before he even coached. I mean, it happens. Yeah, what are you gonna do? He's just trying to win. What are you gonna do? Okay, Jonathan, the last segment yes, disgusted me and grossed <laughs> me out, but it didn't make me mad until you brought up something off the air. Give yes. give me the stadium that's abusing beer. So Spectrum Center, the worst in the in North America, with ninety two percent high level violations. Charlotte Hornets, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. Beer leaking was listed as one of their violations on December twentieth, two thousand sixteen. Inspectors saw beer leaking from the ceiling in the bar area of the front court restaurant from and bar. The ceiling? See, I don't really know that's an issue. <laughs> could you? Could I stand under it? Is it like a waterfall? Could I? Not- like a waterfall. Could I get a Hornet season <laughs> ticket, but I don't want a seat? Just get just that gonna, admission to the arena. Ah. I'm going to watch the game from right here. <laughs> oh, there's one worse in this, list, game yet? In, in this arena. Bad food prep. At a couple inspections on March 16, 2016, inspectors noted that throughout the arena, there has been a consistent failure to properly document when food should be cooked, served, or discarded because it was no longer safe to serve. The violation was noted using all capital letters. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Man. That happens. Wow. Now, Chip ha- had a good question about the X, correct? The, yes. the guy is it, at the is, X. It, is this the zucchini guy? Yeah. So he was just cooking and thought, I got to sample this? Try it? Or It seems like that according to the note. So, guy, so guy, hey, now, every good chef has to taste taste his own work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the zucchini's perfect. <laughs> now, now, the zucchini. Did he put guy. it back? Or now, did he just have the whole zucchini? Oh, oh, no, I he think probably he just, just sampled it. He probably yeah. sampled it, yeah. Make sure it tastes good, ready to serve. <laughs> to yeah. make sure that it was it was proper temperature. <laughs> you don't do that at home? You guys want the NFC do. North standings on this? Oh, yeah, go yeah. ahead. So last place, Soldier Field, 90, 91 in the country. U.S. Bank, 90 in the country. Lambeau Field, 75 in the country. And surprisingly and shockingly, Ford Field takes the list at 35 in the country. Right. They're the best in the NFC North. <laughs> well, they got to be good at something. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I mean... 
Give him a break. Hey, you know what? That means maybe maybe playing a quick lane bowl might not be so bad then. Yeah. Well, you know, it depends on who's playing. If you go, if it you go to the, playing. But you know what? Six kids ain't playing. <laughs> but you know what? If you're going to attend that game, you know, you might get decent you're service. You're safe. Danelle Green, I'm out of here. I, yeah. I ain't playing. Blake Cashman, <laughs> I ain't playing. I don't go to Detroit. I don't I don't do Detroit. <laughs> this is becoming this is becoming more and more though, Chipper. Yeah, well, and Will Greer, the quarterback for West Virginia, is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's not playing. Well, and and you know, after uh what's his name? Uh the linebacker blew out his knee and was going to be a first round pick and fell. I, I think it's Cowboys just, linebacker. Yeah, uh, J- uh Jalen Smith, right? Jalen yeah. Smith, yeah. yeah. Um I think it's just become you know, there's so there's such a big difference from round one to round two, three, all the way down. That that unless you're in the playoff, correct? I, absolutely. If you're in the playoff, then I think you know what you're going for something here. Yes. If it's the quick lane bowl, and you have a chance to be drafted or you know be a free agent, it's not worth the financial. And I know people say, "Oh, you got to show some loyalty to your team because they." No, you don't. No, you don't. I'm with you totally. Yep. No. I'm I'm with you, and I also think the one thing. My hope, and I have no idea if this is going to work or not, my hope is that this is going to push the expansion of the playoff because you can associate, I mean, the quick lane bowl should die, but yeah. <laughs> but you can associate, no, it should, it should just be gone, but you can associate more and more bowls with the playoff, mm-hmm. and I think you're right. I think if you go to kids and say, okay, this is for the playoff, you're absolutely going to play. Yeah. Like, there's no comparison that I can think of to going and playing a meaningless, meaningless game. No. If you are a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament, you know you're probably going to lose, but you're still playing in a tournament that yeah. means something. Well, and and you know a lot of these guys are going to be high draft picks. Denial Green's not; he just needs surgery. And the faster he gets the surgery, then he can, then he can you know get up to speed. Is Cashman going to no, play pro? He, well, I think he'll get in a camp. I don't think he'll get drafted. If he does, you know, maybe so seventh he's round, why? sixth round. Well, he doesn't want to get injured. You okay. know, I mean, I'm fine with it. it I'm not, I don't say he's not going to get drafted. He's not going to be like you know a top round pick, but he, maybe sixth round, seventh round, maybe. But I think for him, it's just you know I think he's going to get signed for sure at worst, mm-hmm. and you're not going to get signed if you have an ACL injury. True, yeah. you know probably. I have I can't find any reason to fault these kids no. whatsoever for this. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I these think executive directors of the Bulls are making six tons figures. Of money, yeah. Uh, they the coaches get bonuses for going, and the kids get what Walkman headphones. Yeah, they get right. nice gear, and it's you know to each his own. But I just don't think that if if this is a business decision, if these guys have millions of dollars on the line, I you know they I think it's their right to say I'm just going to sit it out and prepare for the draft. Now the question is this: If Brett Favre was asked to play right now at the age of 49, if he if Brett if I asked you to come back and play in a bowl game, quick lane, uh, quick lane, Brett, your thoughts. You know, uh, yeah, I could. No, will I do it? I, who knows? Well, I, I've learned to never say never. Thank you, Chip Scoggins. Hey, brother. Uh, Matthew Collar and Mackie join the show next. We have to get to some quotes. If you have not heard them, we have finally found out why Blair Walsh's career went astray, why he missed the field goal against Seattle. All of Blair's issues because he wanted to look good? Anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley Doakley on 1500 ESPN.